of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Once more in the Green Dragon Tavern, it is very good to have all of you back in here again. Of course, it is Thursday night, and we are live, locked, cocked, and ready to rock here on the air. Drinks are, you call it. Tonight, I am drinking a very fine Glenrothes uh, 12 Year Speyside Scotch. And uh, boy, oh boy, is it going down quite nicely this evening. And man, we've got a bunch of guests coming in really quick. You guys, uh, one week off while I'm out training Patriots out there. And holy hell, do you guys come piling in. But see, that that's the quality of what we're doing here. That that and I want to speak to that real quick with one minute into this thing. I want to give a big shout out to all you guys out there of this this culture that we've built. Because unbeknownst to many of you, th- those of you who have been in class with me, who've taken classes with me, uh, know that, a, that one of the cornerstones of, of what I'm trying to do, of course, is to give great training. That that's always top priority, but it's to build culture around it as well you know the the firearms culture is uh traditionally been kind of mutually exclusive to itself uh, amid a lot of other things and so um one of the really cool things about the younger generations about uh i would say gen x uh some of my older cousins kind of kind of coming up with them you know they they were you know five, seven years older than me and, um, you know, kind of soaking up some of, of their culture that they had because they had a lot of that cool 90s vibe going on uh, that was that 80s transitioning into the 90s. And then, of course, like, you know, my coming of age is really in the mid 90s and into the 2000s. And, um, you know, the, the late Gen X, millennial and, you know, the, the new Gen Z, these folks, you know, these kids are coming out and they're wanting so much more than just the traditional firearms culture, quote unquote. And so when you see a lot of what they're putting up on social media and this underlying culture that's there, it's really cool to watch that grow. This is something what we've done with Radio Contra here and really the larger American partisan family 
uh, with AmericanPartisan.org and what we've been able to create and the trainers that we've had come in and the guys who who are all contributors and, and are really just a part of this big thing that we're building, it's really incredible to see it how it has grown over the years. Um, it's it's it, it's very very unique. It's very special, and it's something that all of you out there own. You know, you own that. You're a part of it. You are a part of it, and it is a social movement that we are creating. In so much as it is everything else, you know. So I want to give you guys a, a huge shout out. We're going to have a kick ass show tonight. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. Most of all, it's going to be entertaining. And cheers to that kid in Indy taking care of business. All right. So, Hey, God bless you. Cheers, gentlemen. Good to have you here. Good to have all of you in the house. Of course, uh, my uh, two of my esteemed colleagues that are coming in right now, top of the list, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jesse Ventura's own (laughs) stunt double in predator as well as uh, a few uh, wrestling matches back in the day, too, back when he was in the WWF. Uh, but Mr. J.C. Dodge, what's up, brother? What's going on, man? That's a hell of an intro. <laughs> Is it not true? I mean, do you not have Long Tall Sally playing in the background everywhere you go? Everywhere I go, it's it's a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, I you asked, do. Yeah. You, you, you. You look like you got the height, you get the build, you you the facials, everything. I mean, I, I actually you know. have a one of those chips in one of my my molars that actually does that on demand. <laughs> so you you totally get to spit tobacco juice. Yeah, uh, from people that red man. I'll, I'll tell people that it'll make you a sexual tyrannosaurus as long as they don't <laughs> tell me to strap it on my sore ass. Oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Red man. No, never could do it. Never could. No, none of it. Yep. Not, not you, at all. You, you got to have an iron stomach to chew that stuff, man. You really yeah, do. I, I made a mistake <laughs> at uh, 12. I tried skull one time and I got that, uh, that sick feeling from it. And I was like, oh, maybe yeah. it's not for me. And then a week later, I read a Reader's Digest article that uh, talked about a boy doing, doing skull and he ended up losing his whole jaw to, to cancer. And I, it scared the crap mm-hmm. out of me. I figured I was, for years, I thought I'm going to get cancer from that one time I tried it. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I dipped for a little while. It was um, until, until, uh, my granddad, when I was growing up, he chewed plug tobacco. Now, uh-huh. it, that's a that's a mid Atlantic thing. Is is plug so plug tobacco? Yep. comes in like a little brick, and it's it, it's uh, cured tobacco. It's like molasses cured tobacco, and, and it comes wrapped up. And you cut it with your pocket knife, you know, and you you chew it and. Um, and, and I mean, he, he chewed the stuff habitually. I mean, it, it you know, he, uh, he had been a cigarette smoker and a pipe smoker, been a cigarette smoker when he was in Korea. Then he was a pipe smoker for a long time. 
um, Danny and chewing tobacco. And then he, he cut all that out and was just chewing tobacco guy. And, uh, you know, it, that was, it tastes good. It ta- I'll, I'll tell you, it tastes good. But man, oh man, it that gives you a kick in the ass that you need. But uh, Red Man, so, so Dip itself, mm, you know, I could take it or leave it. But 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 Red Man, ass stuff's too strong. But I, I saw him lose all his teeth because of plug tobacco, mm-hmm. chewing that stuff. And I, you know what? I don't I don't really want to be to him. That that just looks painful. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I never, never did it. Did smoke, uh, did smoke. Obviously, I smoke cigars. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's that's the extent of it because, I don't know, it, it is a pretty nasty habit, man. You know, it, it's, I mean, when you think about it, you got dudes, you know what I mean? And this, this was a big army thing, man. You got all these dudes coming in. They got their little spit bottles, you know, man. Everybody would get the monster cans with the like the pop top on it that you mm-hmm. can twist off, you know. And that thing, I mean, you're just carrying around a jug of your own nasty saliva, like. <laughs> yep. That's. I mean, when you think about it, man, that's gross, you know. Well, worse yet is when you set it down next to somebody else's Pepsi bottle. And, oh. and then somebody accidentally picks it, especially if it's if it's in low light. They pick it up and go take a swig. And oh. yeah, I saw a guy Goodness almost get his ass beat. A guy almost got his ass beat because he did that. And and he had already been told about that crap, keeping it away from <laughs> other guys. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh Damn. Damn. The only thing nastier than that man is seeing a girl that chews. Honestly, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. That's the epitome of just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not. Well, you know, in the uh, the beginning scene in Deliverance, when they're when they're getting gas, and they show they look in the window and you see that uh, that kid that is obviously um, a inbred. special needs special needs inbred. Nah, child. he's he's inbred. He, he yeah. let's just say he's inbred. <laughs> And then the grandmother mm-hmm. is like sitting there in the rocking chair. The only thing that was missing was her look turning, spitting in a spittoon. Ah, uh, ah, uh. yeah, yeah. I remember that now. I well, remember I like a good that. cigar. I mean, that's. I've, I've, oh yeah. I mean, I'll do it a lot, but uh, that's about the only, only thing tobacco-wise I've ever, ever even uh, considered. So. Yeah. Well, tobacco, I, I have a I have a, a deep affinity for tobacco for a lot of reasons. Those of you who have been to my place in North Carolina know, um, you know, and 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 you guys operate out of a a uh, ancient uh, couple of tobacco barns when you're running the scout course here in North Carolina, um, and, and the whole history of that and uh, campware and everything else that, that's going on there is a lot of history, man. And, uh, you know, I have a deep affinity for tobacco. The bright, the bright leaf curing process, uh, which is the modern, became the modern curing process for tobacco, actually happened in my county. And uh, the family that perfected that process still farms tobacco today, uh, which is, is really cool. The descendants of them, they, they still farm it today. So, I mean, we, we have a, 
where I live, man, we, we have a real deep uh, affinity for tobacco. And, and it's one of those things, it's, it's just cultural knowledge. Everybody knows about it. Um, but uh, when it comes to cigars, cigars are cigars are a different animal like you're you're you have a deep appreciation for cigars especially cigar aficionados people who are really really into it um you know i i know i know a lot about it but i don't know like like there's there's people that that obviously they do this stuff for a living and um man they they know some incredible incredible amount of knowledge and with cigars you have all of that going into it like actual cigars. I ain't talking about like no Dutch masters or Phillies and that crap. I'm talking about real <laughs> good stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and when, you know, you, you, um, fine cigars are, are like fine whiskey or fine rum or, you know, it, it, it um, it's a craft. There's, there's a craft to it and there's an appreciation that you have. And, um, you know, there's so much, there's so much that you can get out of that. that that's so very, very cool, man. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the, the cigar. One of the, one of the coolest things I ever heard, and it was Paul Sorvino. It was, uh, Paul Sorvino. Everybody knows Paul Sorvino, super famous actor. Um, and an incredible guy too. He, you know, if, if you're not familiar with Paul Sorvino, uh, the person, not the characters, but the person, you should look him up, man. He, he's, he he's a legit tough dude, man. Good, good guy. And uh deep conservative, very, very awesome. Um, you know, but but he's not somebody I would mess with, you know. But anyway, um there, there's some interesting stories about him. Somebody somebody uh beating up on his daughter, and and I mean, this was just a few years ago, and he's an old man now. He went and hunted that dude down. And, and was like, hey, I'm going to take care of business, you know. But anyway, one of the coolest things that I think um, I ever heard about describing cigars was Paul Servino. And he, he said that a cigar is the experience that you have with the people you're around or the music that you're listening to or the drink that you have going with it that that, you know, kind of the, the whole like the whole experience of, of all of it together. And, um, I always thought that that was really cool, man. That, that was really, really profound because that took me back to some of my best moments in Iraq and Afghanistan, where it was like you and your boys, you know, and it was cigar night and like you, man, back in those days, like I didn't even really know what a good cigar was, but I wanted to be in on it and I wanted to be a part of it because that it was the experience. You know, you, you're there. Yeah, I, I don't know. Man, I just thought that was that. No, I, that was, yeah, that was I agree. That, well, it's uh, you. You mentioned when when deployed, um, Christmas Christmas night uh, on my last deployment, Christmas night of '07. The uh, of course nobody was allowed to, get, allowed to go out on patrols because they didn't want anybody to die on Christmas. So <laughs> we're we're all on the fob and. Uh, a guy that I had, uh, I had served. Well, we grew up together, had been friends since we were very young. And, uh, we served in two different units together, uh, alerts and then the infantry. And, uh, we were, we were there together. Um, 
he always had me by at least one grade of rank, <laughs> but we actually got a chance to go eat lunch together that day and spend some time together. And that evening basically shared a cigar and uh, yeah. talked about the old days and the fact that uh, the area we were in was an area that we were supposed to have been in, in desert storm, but never ended up over there. <laughs> yeah. So it took 16 <laughs> years, 16 years to get there, but uh <laughs> Hey boy, the irony of that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, man. But yeah, that uh, like you said, it's just the it's an all around. It's part of an all around experience. Um, oh yeah. If if you if you're fortunate enough to have that, with you know, you know, good a good drink, good friends, you know, good company to just shoot the shit with, and uh, that you trust. Yeah, it's it, it adds to the experience. 100%, man. 100%. All right. Moving down the list. Madman Actual. Evening, gentlemen. Evening. Evening, sir. I, uh, <laughs> I actually just got a whole box of cigars not long ago. I didn't know what I was looking at, so I just told the guy. I was like, just I grabbed a box that they had. And I was like, just oh, fill this up, keep it under a hundred bucks, and it's all sold. And he was like, Sounds good, man. He gave me this cherry flavored one that was delicious. Oh man, and... I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, man. I want you to send me an email. I want you to send me an email. I want you to send me an address. And I will or just, you know, send it, send it on the back channel. That's fine. But I will hook you up. I will hook you up with some good stuff. Some good stuff. Some good stuff. I'm gonna. Right. I, I, some of we'll say some of Scout Select cigars. <laughs> so kind of kind of a rundown. I'll say like top ten. Um, Monte Cristo Classic Series. Uh, not, not the normal Monte Cristo, but the, it, it actually says classic series on it. It's got a, a, uh, separate yellow band on it. These are a little bit more bolder. They have a little more body to them. I think that the, the regular Dominican Monte Cristos are, they, they're not bland. They're just super mild. Um, but, but the, the Monte Cristo classic series, they're very good. Monte Cristo, uh, Nicaragua series is absolutely superb. Um, I have one of them in my hand right now. Oh yes, Superb. No, this is the uh, what is it? The Espada Oscuro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Espada. Those are good. It's, it's got the those little like crossing good. swords on the front. Yeah, that's yes. It yes. smells good. They are, man. Try the plaque. Henry Clay. Yeah, a Warhawk. It's just a big ass cigar. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't too crazy about that one. I don't know. Um, something, just something about it didn't, it did, it just didn't do it for me. I don't know. It was, um, there, there was an off flavor in it. I don't know. It, it could have, I never, if, if I have a bad experience with a cigar, I'll normally give it another shot and I just haven't got around to giving it another shot yet. So, you know, um, but, uh, Curvari, Curvari. Got some Curvari Reservas. Uh, I'll send you one of those. The um, 
uh, it, basically anything by Kiribari is just top notch, rather just top notch. Um, right on. But another one, another one I want to point out, and this is one that I just found. Um, I've heard of these guys for a little while now. I never, um, I, you know, run down to JR's uh, here in Central North Carolina. I run down to JR's every so often. I make it down there. And um, they, they've never had it in stock. I've seen it online, but I'm not, you know, I ain't going to buy a box blind if I've, I've never tried them. But Aladino. Look up Aladino, man. These Aladino is amazing, man. I I had my first Aladino, um, the uh, during that Intel course last weekend, man, man. I'm telling you, holy hell! If you want a good cigar, that's a good cigar. Not expensive, um. Not expensive at all, but man, it is. Oh, wow. Uh, what a what a nice experience. And uh, all Honduran. It's all Honduran. Honduran Pearl. So, good stuff. Yeah, this Honduran's making some pretty good cigars. Yeah, man. This, this tobacco, I would say, um, as far as the body of the cigar, everybody... Everybody in the the cigar industry and all the cigar aficionados like to compare everything to Cubans, um, you know. And, and okay, I heard um, Cubans aren't even that good. Yes and no. It it's Cuban. Well, like they're no better or worse than anything else. Like you can get a top yes. notch cigar from another country that's just as good as a Cuban. I've oh had, yeah, I have a I have a box full of Havanas sitting up in the humidor and yeah uh, they're not that impressive to be totally honest yeah I, those man of wars that uh patriot man gave me those little mini man of wars yeah. those were good oh yeah i he left the tin in my car actually and i smoked the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh, i ain't gonna see you no time soon i'm, I'm taking these cigars <laughs> It was a him. gift. <laughs> he didn't miss him. You know what? He probably didn't even remember buying them. To be honest with you, that is true. He's probably like, "Well, I had cigars." Like, oh, I don't wow. remember I, buying I, those. I remember. <laughs> he's gonna be in here in, here in a little bit. He's he's a little busy at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, Man of Wars, Man of Wars are good. They were a little too strong. Um, if if they're they got a, a little bit too much on the front end, we're just smoking them. Um, they burn a little hot. I I agree. Yeah, I agree. They they burn yeah. a little hot. If you're drawing them too many times, and puffing on them a little too much, they they can get a little hot. It's it's also not a cigar you want to smoke on an empty stomach. That's that's not. Um, and for me. I don't like smoking a cigar after a meal because that that's why I kind of favor the milder stuff. Because if you smoke cigar after a meal, you're, you're already kind of tired and like, you're just not, it, that doesn't work for me. Um, you know, I don't know, it, but that's, that's also why I favor uh, a lot of the Curavares, which are Nicaraguan pros. Um, great. Great, but uh, in the comments, Mal Gorilla was saying uh, uh, Cuban Cohibas no better than the ones we hear. 
Um, yeah, yes or no, they're just different. Uh, or, or neither yes nor, nor no, they're, they're just different. And they are. Um, the, the red dot Cohibas, as they're known here in the States, the general cigar incarnation is, is a whole different animal, uh, as everybody knows. But um, Cuban Cohibas, I think it's, it's more the novelty of smoking it more than anything else. I mean, you get... So with Cuban tobacco, you have this... Uh, there's this grassy twang to them that they all have. Uh, I will say that the one, to me, the one Cuban cigar that is really worth jumping through hoops to try and find is the Partagas Lusitanius. That one is, that one is amazing. Um, that, that really is. And, and that is, I, I would say that's probably on the grail list of of cigars that you should find if you're a cigar aficionado you owe it to yourself to at least try one um they're, they're very good i got a few in the humidor um you know they are they're very hard to find um usually and with past couple of years with the whole covid hysteria and everything um cuba has been real dodgy on the exports coming out so a lot of their stuff is going to the british market uh, rather than the the uh, uh, Canadian market, which is is where a lot of the stuff that makes its way into America, into North America, comes from, uh, it actually comes from Cuba, or um, well, obviously, but Canada. I mean, and uh, a lot of the stuff is going to uh, right now. It's going to the British market because that's all they're producing, and so you know they they've had some they've had some foul weather for the past couple of years too. Uh, when it comes to uh, <laughs> Castro's, production. Castro's son, the Prime Minister of Cuba, also mm. known as Justin Trudeau, he he's got the hookup. <laughs> <laughs> I love how yeah, I, I, I made a faux pas, and we're just all of a sudden calling Canada Cuba. Like and, and then he used Cuba. then he used my name in vain by saying Dodgy. Cubania. <laughs> <laughs> Cubania. <laughs> Cubania. Oh man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild night, boys. Well, since you're already in the house, Johnny Pachupa. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm good, man. You didn't pop open a beer. Uh, oh, uh, you know what? I'm actually uh, I'm going to the beach oh. in a couple weeks. I'm going to the beach in a couple weeks, and I want to so look cutting carbs. You're I am cutting, carbs. buddy. I actually have been skipping breakfast and lunch in oh. this heat. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's oh, hot up yeah. here. The heat index yesterday was like 107. Yeah, yeah, it's hot as fuck. It's bad. So I, I actually, Ow. um, all I've eaten today was a sandwich and some chips, uh, for a late lunch. But oh. um, man, it's it's too hot to eat, man, and stand in the sun. That's just me, though. I I just don't like the way it feels. Just just gotta eat combos, man combos it's, it's it's carbs it's salt you're good you know like you know what i'm saying yes yeah combos and uh white claws man that's really all a man that's all a growing claws. boy needs man it's you're gonna grow that mullet out and put some vipers on to you <laughs> yeah yeah, actually, that was yeah. I'm actually waiting on that Amazon delivery. <laughs> How'd you know? Did you did you really buy some Vipers? Because oh my god, no, no. Uh, but uh, legend has it, you try them on once, and that's that's it. You're a Viper man now. 
they're stuck. Like if you put on Vipers that first time, they're stuck. You can't get them back off. Oh man, Vipers, dude. What? Well, speaking speaking of mullets and Vipers, speaking of, the first t-shirts have arrived. They exist. I am wearing I am wearing the official Radio Contra t-shirt. I have it on right now. That's awesome, man. It is. It is. I think everybody's going to like them. I have a Brush Beater Radio Recon Group shirt that is in hand. I'm sitting here looking at it. And I also have another one that is top, top secret, top secret, most secret. It goes back to World War II. It's most secret uh, that will be unveiled when the online store is open for business, which should be right around the corner. Should be right around the corner. Everything on the back end is set up. Um, We are literally just waiting on the finishing touches from the IT host, and then we're good. Uh, We are good to go. But let me tell you, this this new T-shirt design, all of these are, are cool. Um, but this, this one that is top secret, this is going to be the one that a lot of people are going to want. So, and I've even been thinking about, I've even been thinking about hijacking the American partisan Twitter account, uh, for a little while from Patriot man, just, just to, to create some buzz about this thing, because I think it's, it's going to be, it's, if you thought let's go Brandon was cool, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing. This is this this is gonna be the one. Um, but everybody I've shown it to is like, holy shit. Uh so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be grab sweet. that Twitter account from him because he's probably gonna get banned again. He might. He might get banned. He might suspend it. He, he gets suspended. He's on like his ninth warning. Oh, this shirt <laughs> might this shirt might be the final straw, honestly. It might be like, <laughs> nope. Not happening, not today. <laughs> you you want to do what? No. Oh, the shirts man. are cool, but when's the calendar drop, bro? The calendar? <laughs> oh, there ain't no calendar. No, hell no. Oh, no. Come on. We're going to do we it We can just do, weekend. like, chin down pictures. You no. know? No. 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 I'm gonna get that that crazy liver dude. You know who I'm talking about? The, the liver king. king. Yes. He's yes. clearly on a mountain of steroids. Yes, that, that dude's on a lot of steroids. What if we a do a a throwback to the forum for the calendar and we do hot sci-fi babes? <laughs> Bro, we would we would totally get the shit suit out of us by like everybody like paramount yeah yeah paramount would yeah. Literally own all of this they would be like we we now own all of your intellectual property like all the things you're ever going to do with your life we own it all like and, oh and by the way a lawyer is just going to follow you around for the rest of your life spot checking everything you do yeah well i mean you can't you could i mean you could but if if you had a a, a calendar that was six months of 
uh, Jerry Ryan, who played seven of nine, right? Because she was hot. Um, not not so much anymore, but she was hot back in the day. But you got you got six months of Jerry Ryan, three months of Lieutenant Starbuck from uh, from <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, the, the new one. Uh, and then you have the following three months of Trisha Helfer, who was also on Battlestar Galactica, but she was also on Burn Notice, and she was actually hotter on Burn Notice uh, in the second season of Burn Notice. But um, anyway, and I would totally do that, but we'd get the shit suit out of us, like, for real, for real. They would own it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would own it. Ah. <sighs> They would own it, man. Oh, man. Be prepared in the comments. The sexy woman from Ronan is the lead scientist in Halo. You mean the Irish girl? Yeah. Is, is that your time? The Irish girl from Ronan? Because there was a couple of good looking chicks in Ronan. But, but the, the main girl? Okay. Yeah. You say, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I don't. Deidre. Her name was Deidre. In the movie, I, I don't remember what her, her real name is. That's cool. She's still doing stuff. I thought she disappeared. HP 11 in the comments saying, Yeah, Carla was a real biatch. Yes, she was. Yes, she, Carla, Carla was mean. Um, Carla, of course, was Trisha Helfer's character in Burn Notice. And of course, another hot sci fi babe who was in Burn Notice. There was a lot of great looking women in Burn Notice, but Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless, who is a solid 10 on the crazy hot scale. Um, she she is, she's batshit crazy, but man, you enjoy seeing it in action. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> oh, Xena. Yeah, Xena Warrior Princess. She's even crazier in person. Like, like the characters were, were crazy. But look up some of the things she's done in her history. Ooh, geez. I'm telling you. Man, that's mm, mm, mm. yeah. I was but, madly uh, in love with the actress who played Diz in Starship Troopers. Had a big um, crush on her when I was a kid. Dina Meyer. I think that's her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all are gonna laugh at this, but you should look her up. She was in a Lifetime movie, and. If if you liked her in Starship Troopers, you're gonna really enjoy that Lifetime movie. Let me just talk. <laughs> can you can pay me? You can pay me later for that. But what? yeah, but wasn't didn't she play in? Uh, oh shit! What was that movie that Alex Jones did about the UN? And, oh, uh, the uh, you posted it on American, your think, right? American. Yeah. 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 I saw her. I was like, holy shit. I didn't yeah. know she was still doing anything. I thought she just kind of like fell off the planet. Yeah. Yeah, she's still around, man. She's still around. She's looking good. She's taking care of herself. Now Gorillas is Natasha like Henstridge. Ooh. Ooh, Natasha Henstridge. That's, that's, man, that's digging deep into the data banks back there, man. Yeah, she was, she was pretty bad. I can species. She was, uh, there was that one scene where she, she popped out of the egg or whatever it was, a cocoon. That she oh, was yeah. Like, Whoa. <laughs> that Whoa, chick's <laughs> hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, was, she was really hot, but she never took off, though. At least in America, she didn't. She's from Germany or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. had like a Spanish and German parents or something. 
she was some model over there and didn't really catch on over here um yeah all right i got i got i all right i solved it i figured it out we'll do we'll do we'll do a uh happy compromise we'll get jen paskey the white house press secretary all 12 months don't nobody want to see that (laughs) oh i don't want to see that you speak for yourself. i just took the room from a six to a 12 i'm sorry i'm sorry this is this is that's a sigh of disappointment is what that is that's what that is i volunteer myself as tribute for all 12 months (laughs) on the condition that i get to wear the tightest highest pair of pt shorts we can find oh you need some ranger panties man i got you oh yeah yeah i got you like hairy legs showing and everything yeah yeah back hair poking out yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah boy yeah man nothing like running up and down gruber 6 30 in the morning seeing them ranger panties (laughs) there's there's no walking on long street (laughs) you remember yelling that at each other (laughs) there's no walking on long street there's no walking on our dens this, you know, there's, there's, there's no running on Gruber. There is a lot of puking, though. There is a lot of puking. I can attest to that. There's a whole lot of puking. Let me tell you. Oh, be prepared to ew, Ranger Panties. Listen, Marine. Um, it's it. It is the most manly piece of PT attire that you can wear. That is literally going up your ass crack. You are literally wearing a loose-fitting pair of volleyball shorts, all right? And it's totally not homoerotic at all that when you're doing sit-ups that your balls fall out, okay? I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. Just putting it out there. It's only gay if you look, okay? (laughs) And with that said, if it's only gay if you look, Patriot Man, you are in the house. (laughs) Hell of an intro. Well, I am, but your volume is like atrocious, man. Can't hear you. Is that any better? Nope. It sounds like you're hollering at your microphone through a car window. I heard him bleeding through earlier. I think he might have hooked up to a different Bluetooth, and he might think he's talking into one, but the other one's on the other side of the room. There he goes. Almost. Nah, not really. Chabagato in, in the comments said he got JC's old mic. This facts. Facts, my friend. Facts. Nope. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, we'll come back to you, brother. So, <clears throat> getting down to business here. Business. Business, business is good, of course. Um, you know, the elephant in the room, kid in Indy taking care of business, uh, proving yet again why concealed carry and being armed, being armed everywhere you go, taking it upon yourself because it's not just you that you're protecting, it's not just your family that you're protecting. All right, you might be pressed in, into a situation 
where you're the only armed person there that you need to respond to. So at least in my opinion, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass this around to the guys, but at least in my opinion, this is why you need to be out training. Now I know this is a 20, 22 year old kid uh, who answered the call, who got thrown into that situation yet again, we see, uh, you know, super young guy getting put into a situation where, you know, it, it's, it's literally do or die. And um, he had some impressive shooting skills. All right. So I'm personally impressed by that. Um, that's good stuff. Now, to my knowledge, I don't think that he's been to a formal class, um, but he's, he certainly, he certainly knows his weapons. So he's probably been training on his own. It this, this is seriously, this, it, it's a testament. You need to be getting out there. You need to be doing stuff and you need to be integrating um, stressors into your training as well. You need to be getting outside of that comfort zone, outside of that box, um, you know, getting off that square range and seeking those training opportunities. Cause you don't ever know, you know, we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what the next situation that you're going to be thrown into looks like. So you need to be out there training um, period period. And you know, I know some of y'all out there that listen to this podcast probably get tired of, of hearing me say that, but I mean, it's a fact, you know, it, it's an absolute fact. So anyway, with that said, man, I want to uh, pass that around. Kudos to this kid too. Um, you know, you're a good dude and uh, God bless you. Thank you. Um, police are there for taking reports after the fact, right? They're not there to prevent crimes as we see over and over and over again, it's really on you. So guys, I'm going to pass it around. What do y'all think about it? Anybody? I, I think, uh, well, I'm curious. I haven't seen any footage of it, but the 40 yard, right? It was a 40 yard shot that he made. Um, and I heard it was eight. He hit eight out of ten rounds at forty yards ish. I'm that sure is correct. The distance probably yeah. closed. Yeah, so that probably changed because um, I'm sure both of them were moving a little bit when it happened. But that's uh, that's pretty solid shooting, and uh, to do that under stress, and he's 22 with no prior service, I believe. Uh, that's that takes like some serious focus because. Yeah, when you get tunnel vision, it, it's hard to like do anything other than one thing at a time. And yeah, with a subcompact, that's uh that's pretty impressive. Like twenty five yards at, at a flat range, and I'm like starting to suck with my uh I got a three three sixty five XL, which I guess is pretty comparable to a Hellcat. Yeah. So. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm struggling at 25 on a flat range, you know, and that's like probably warmed up. I mean, I'm still like minute of man. I'm probably still hitting everything, but uh, definitely not a tight group. I'm still hitting black on a man sized target, but it's really not a group. So the fact that he was able to hit a mostly moving target, 80 percent of the of his hits, that's that's impressive and good on him for not listening to the stupid sign. Real quick, I'm going to jump in. How do I sound? 
Fantastic. Yeah, you good, man. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I switched. Um, I switched headphones. Thanks. Yeah, that's all I got. I appreciate that, Jerry. I'm glad you like those. Those were all um, courtesy of our Twitter account. Um, <laughs> there's a there, there, there's a meme post from the, the the Dickens shooting on AP. If if you're curious, and they are really really fucking good. With that said, yeah. I, I know we're talking about this topic. I just wanted to pop in and say hi. I'm sorry I'm late. I was doing a um I was actually doing security for my church's um, carnival that we do every year. So I was there and I left early to come back for this. So um just want to say hi to everyone and, and glad to be here. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that uh... Yeah, I can hear you. So okay. Vot. <laughs> um well, 40 yards, I mean, obviously, he not only trained for, for you know, target accuracy, but, I mean, this was, under, like you said, under stress. And, uh, you know, when I worked law enforcement, you know, I, the only time I ever shot past 25 in qualification was the, fire, the, the LA Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors course. And we shot at 50 with our, with our pistols. But, you know, law enforcement doesn't, they don't, they don't practice at 40 yards or 50 yards. They generally, like I said, we, it was a instructor's course. And, uh, yeah, like you said, good for this. I mean, first thing he did, he secured what was most important to him. You know, his girlfriend that was there with him, he got her into, into, into safety. And then he went to business. He went to do, do the deed. And, uh, that, that's, <laughs> What more can be said? It was constitutional carry because I don't I don't believe it was anything having to do with having a carry permit. Didn't they hadn't they just passed that uh, constitutional carry law? Um, yeah, in Indiana, and uh, so yep. per, this is a perfect example of of multiple uh, things that we've been saying for years. Constitutional carry is the law of the land. They can say what they want, but that is the law of the land. That's what the text of the Second Amendment says. That was the, that's the tradition in history, just like what Clarence Thomas said in his in his uh, Supreme Court uh, uh, decision and opinion, and said that's what everything having to do with firearms has to be judged by from now on. And that pretty this pretty much showed it. He he wasn't isn't a cop. He's not you know prior law enforcement, not prior military, but he trained. He was well regulated. That's the bottom line right there. Well Amen right. to that. Yeah. That's all I got. Well, yeah, man. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I, uh, all right, no, JP, you go first. I'm the last one here. You go first. I uh, was actually giving myself a crash course on this. I've been super busy. Um, yeah, it sounds like he was uh, moving towards the threat, too, which is a, like classic you know infantry maneuver but good on him i mean he didn't have all that you know, three or four, three or four guys to his left and three or four guys to his right with m4s and machine guns you know it i it just just incredible is there footage of this have they released any footage of it i believe i'm sure the security footage is going to come out at some point but as far as i know nothing's come out yet 
Yeah, it went down in the cafeteria, and there's mall, there's cameras all over malls. Yeah. So it's definitely on camera, and everyone's corroborating like that he did an incredible job. Um, I uh, I'm actually surprised, and even CNN is writing the um, quotes from the uh, from the police. Although I I have noticed recently the police are getting smarter, releasing like just a couple sentences, and then outlets like cnn can only quote from like those sentences so they the police got smart with their pr they're they're just releasing like these real like pro-american and like pro-hero pro-good samaritan like sound bites and there's no way to like really flip yeah, there's no way to spin it exactly yeah yeah except it's for pretty Uvaldi, smart except stuff for Uvaldi. Well, yeah, those guys, man, I think they're going to yeah. get their asses sued off and then they're going to get taken individually. Well, their houses should as well. Their houses should probably be burned down by the citizens of Uvalde, but that's just me. Yeah, that, disavow. Uh, well, well, thank God, thank God this kid had the exact opposite mindset of of the large percentage of the officers that were in Uvalde. If they had had 5 of him, how many kids would have been Dude, would have been done. Easy. That's yep. why half the memes yep. that I put up today were about the Uvalde Police Department. I mean, here you guys yep. got, they are armed to the teeth with a rifle, with a fucking plate carrier, probably with body armor, everything. And they're just standing there, and this dude is just like, you know they what? They had within, a damn shield. The shield yeah. is four yeah. rated. Within yeah, 15 seconds, this dude drew and engaged. And what I read today, too, made me really sad. The first guy that got killed by the shooter was actually a concealed carry holder. The problem is, is that he was the first one that got chosen by the shooter. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure he would have would have been closer to the shooter and would have engaged as well. But unfortunately, the, the shooter decided he was going to be the first one to die, and he got shot. Which is yeah. another lesson, too. There was a, I remember there was a, a case, I think it was in Arizona, where there was a shooting in a Walmart, and a guy drew concealed carry, and he shot the first guy. He didn't realize... The guy's, I think it was girlfriend or wife or whatever, was right next to him or nearby and didn't know that she was also armed and he got shot and killed. He took out the first shooter, but the second shooter got him. So um, it's an interesting lesson to see, but it's at the same time, it's like you can carry and I think everyone should carry, but it's almost like when your number's up, it's up and like a poor guy had no chance to fight back. At least he was prepared to in case he could. Absolutely. Yeah, he was ready. If he was the second or third target, at least he might have been able to at least clear holster. Might not have gotten a shot off, but at least he would have been able to clear holster. But apparently the, the little soy boy who was shooting chose him first. So Now, one of the reports I heard was that guy, the guy in the mall, he he had an AR. Is that is that true? Yes, it is. Okay, and, and he had, because what I heard was he had an AR and I think he had at least three magazines. So he got how many shots off? Does anybody know? Uh, like 25 or so. Yeah, I was going to say, not even a full mag. Okay. 20, yeah. 20, about 25 rounds, and from what I'm reading, um, the the hero, Jonathan, I believe is his name, was... Um, no, it was, was Elijah Dickens. Elijah. He was, uh, like, firing around well, and then he would, like, take a couple steps and fire another round. And was like waving people that they were safe to like maneuver out of the like clear of the danger zone, out of the kill zone. 
Like, like he's getting some serious accolades from some outlets that never say anything nice about anybody. I so. mean, it, it was it was incredible. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be able to. All right. You're in a mall. You hear a gunshot. All right. You're going to spend the first few seconds. And I again, I'm not speaking from any experience whatsoever with a gunfight. You're probably spending the next few seconds trying to figure out where the fuck it came from. Now you have to positively identify who was a rifle, draw and engage, and from the, the first shot to the last when he was down 15 seconds. So you figure you take at least three or four to orient and get a PID, and then the next 11 seconds you get 10 shots off? I'm assuming that's what happened when they say 15 seconds. Uh, it could be 15 from first shot to second shot, but yeah. or first shot to last it shot. Is. But, I mean, to be able to even look around and figure out where it's coming from, and then know you have a clear line of sight, and from that distance, I mean, I, if I if it was me, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't have taken the shot from that distance. I would have tried to maneuver myself up to get closer, and then shot from where I was comfortable at, unless I was like shooting. If I knew the area was clear, I'd shoot maybe just to keep his head down, and then assume when I'm carrying a second mag, reload, get a little bit closer, and then try to actually engage him. I don't think I'm hitting him from forty. I've never shot at forty with a pistol. So I don't know. So I mean, just balls of steel. Yeah. So uh, I want to point out a couple of things. Um, yeah, to to echo what you said about uh, fifteen seconds, that's definitely part of the OODA loop. Uh, observe, orient, decide, act. OODA loop. You know, anybody that's been to most firearms classes that are worth a shit. Um, the, if the instructor doesn't mention OODA loop at some point during that course, then you might ought to seek training elsewhere because uh, they, I don't know, I, I ain't going to go down that route. But yeah, that, that's exactly what was going on. Um, something something that I also want to revisit, uh, you know, 40 yards, 40 yards with a handgun. It's impressive. Okay, it, it's impressive. So um in the fighting carbine course, which I did just this past uh, uh, Thursday and Friday, because uh, it was out in Teleco Plains, this ironically is is something that you know the the ability to move, the ability to move towards the target. Uh, the guys have have uh, worked with me in in the fighting firearms courses. I've got a fighting AK class and uh, fighting carbine, which is AR fifteen focused uh, as well, but. Um, you know, we, we talk about all that. You do that through the course of, of fire. And there's a reason that I begin with something that looks like standard CQB tables that, that we're doing CQB drills, close quarter battle drills, and then working our way back um, and incorporating movement into that. It, it's, it's all part of a, a, uh, a, a program of instruction that is designed to, to build those characteristics in people. Um, so that anyway, uh, one other thing that I want to touch on though, and, and, you know, you, you guys, uh, Patriot man, you've had that experience, uh, several times over. So, you know, you, you kind of understand and you're, you're coming from that paradigm. Uh, but Chivagato in the comment section, uh, Eli and Rittenhouse give some hope for the youngsters. Here's the thing, man. Um, I'm seeing a lot of these kinds of comments and, and I mean, you're right, but, but I want to, I, I really want to underscore that even further. There's a lot of folks out there who, you know, hang out on certain corners of the internet and, you know, I, they are what they are, man. 
you know, and I'm not trying to single anybody out specifically because I could start naming specific groups. And I know somebody in, on here would get pissed off and, and would leave me some emails. That I just don't feel like dealing with, uh, with dumbass comments and whatnot. But what I will say is this. There, there are comments that are made on corners of the Internet that I have seen. Um, you know, I've got I had a handful of people that were doing it on my own sites and I told them where to go uh, one way or another. They, they went away. And these these are guys who are older. They're kind of aging out of the population, if you will. And they, all they want to do is trash the younger generation, trash the younger generation, beat up on the on, on the young guys. Here's the thing, man. Um, what are you doing right now to train them? What are you doing? Because I'm going to tell you something. I worked very closely with Generation Z for a significant amount of time in a professional capacity, uh, teaching them and highly motivated, uh, very highly motivated. And several of those uh, students that I had back then are now taking classes with me with what I do now and come out. And I'm, I am very happy to train them. And they, they're extremely motivated. They're extremely patriotic and they, they know, and let me tell you something, they know the deal about what's going on right now in society. They know the deal really, they're even more switched on than I was, you know, as a millennial coming up, you know, and, and listening kind of to the tail end of William Cooper and um, really coming along in, in these very interesting times we're in, even in, in more interesting times now and let me tell you something they're wide awake so you know a lot of the people on these corners of the internet the older folks the you know the the uh, late gen or, or very early gen z uh or a gen x rather the uh, baby boom is is real bad about this you know y'all are real quick to to dog out these kids because all you see is the the pink hair and the, the shit that gets put up and really uh, lauded in front of you that's on social media. And you can't really make sense of it until you just assume that everybody's like that, that they're all like that. But let me tell you, the new, the new counterculture is what we're doing right here. And that's why um, I opened the show talking about things the way that I did. You know, the, the two classes that I just taught, the intelligence course, the fighting carbine course, I over half the class was younger than me. So that should tell you something. I mean, and, and I'm not an old guy. Okay. So that's it, scout. That's impressive because I, you know how many classes yeah. I've been to where normally I'm the youngest guy there. So that's really right. impressive. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're taking it upon themselves, man, because they know, they know that they're getting a shit sandwich. All right. One thing that these kids know for damn sure is that there ain't no such thing as Social Security. There ain't no such thing as retirement. They may not even own their own homes. They've got everything in the world telling them that, you know, if, if you're straight, that you're bad. If you're, you know, not down with this transgender shit, that you're bad. If you're not, you know, uh, one category or another, you're, you're all of a sudden you're, you're the worst human being in the world. Stuff is ridiculous, man. They're, they're tired of being force fed to stuff. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, man, these kids see it for what it is. Um, but I, but, but here, here's the other thing that I want to point out is that none of you out there who are busy dogging out the younger generation, 
that you, you know, you get online and you go to your little blog or whatever it is. And all you want to do is talk shit about young people. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Look in the fucking mirror. Look in the fucking mirror. Because you are the one to blame. If all you see is bad things in the world and all you want to do is bitch and moan about it, you look in the fucking mirror. Because I promise you, if you went down to your church or you went down to, um, you know, any any community outlet that is out there, the church is the best one that I can think of off the top of my head. But if you go down there and you see a group of young folks you know, maybe look for them where few of them got pickup trucks. Maybe they're wearing cowboy boots. Maybe they've got their jeans. Maybe like we make jokes about vipers, but that that's what the, the under 20 crowd and, and up until the, you know, probably 24, 25 crowd, that's what's in style right now. So if you see that, you're probably also going to see like a Let's Go Brandon sticker or something. Offer to teach them what you know. You know, offer to hell, like I told somebody on the forum, man, who who was busy dogging out the younger generation. Why don't you cash out some of that 401k that you might not be able to spend? You might not make it to it. Once you buy them a class, once you say, hey, you know, I'm going to get you all together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train y'all. I've had people do that in the past. I've had people pay for groups of younger folks to train. They've brought me out. I've had them do that. You know what? And, and, and I have a mountain of respect for that. So that's what you do, you know, and, and these, these young folks that are out there, they are ready. They're willing. They're highly motivated. They're tired of being beat over the head with all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you something, the way that you fuck this up, the way that you screw this up is if you're busy telling them that they're no good, because you're no good because you didn't take it upon yourself to teach them any better than what they got. They deserve better than you. They got every right to tell you to pound sand. You know, if all you can do is bitch and moan about things, then that's it's that's your fault. It's your fault. Fucking you know? amen. Anyway. If if you're yeah. if you're an old time ham, try to figure out some way you can mentor the young guys about here's how you run a radio here's how you do this how you do that where you see a young couple at the range you're there shooting all the time and you see someone who's kind of new go up and mentor them that's how yeah. you build up the rapport because to scout's point i mean we had i remember lead up to 2020 we had in my sub development we had a parade of like 55 bikes of young kids who were literally just riding their bikes and they either had a Trump flag or that American flag, whatever. And they went through and they were just riding and everyone was honking for them and they're holding their fists up. That's the guys we got to try to capture because they know what's up. They know what's coming. And yeah, yeah if all you're going to sit there and throw stones, <laughs> all right, then what the fuck are you doing? They get fed up with that shit, man. Yeah. And they're going to sit there and go, you know what? Why am I going to listen to you? I don't, you don't care about me. Why don't why should I care about you? You should build it up until you, they give you a reason not to, right? If you approach a group of young guys and then they start spouting some stupid shit about, well, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the whole reason we're in this is because, you know, the rich or whatever. All right. Then maybe they'll, okay, at that point you politely walk away, whatever. But if they're in for it, then you got to do at least something, at least to encourage them. Even if it's not monetary, at least encourage them and be like, hey, man, oh, that's great. I mean, do you guys have your concealed carry permit? Like, do you guys have your farm? Like, you know, start the conversation. But just to walk away and, and, and not do anything with the youth, to Scout's point, I think is a complete misappropriation of the resources that we have. Yeah. 
The churches is the biggest one, man. Like for me around here, like we've got um, every church right now is running vacation Bible schools, which is awesome. You know, when I was growing up, that that was some of the best times in the summer that I yep. had. I mean, it literally was working the fields, getting up hay bales, you know, going to vacation Bible school was like a break for a little bit. <laughs> so there was that. Yep. But, you know, you, you see you see all the kids that, that, you know, you ain't seen in it seemed like forever back then. I mean, now summertime is like whatever goes by quick. But back then it was like an eternity. And all of a uh-huh. sudden, you know, you've seen all the kids and, you know, like you're going back to school. It's like right around the corner, you know, but still you, you get you got like three weeks left before you go. On. But vacation Bible school is a good time, man. And um, as as they got older, like as you approach your teenage years, vacation Bible school is still like a thing. But they're they're getting together and it, you know, it has a slightly different tone to it. If you're plugged into your local church, man. And I'll tell you, um, the the guy that bought the private class and had all young guys in it. It was all young guys. They were all teenagers, older teenagers, young adults. Um, and he was a minister and is a minister. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And and you know, that and, and you know, I didn't I didn't know that going out there. I just knew, you know, it was a private class, had this number of people, cool. You know, like it, it is what it is and then show up and and then you get the rest of the story you're like oh man this is this is pretty awesome and um you know what what they're able to put together that that was really awesome and um you know this, this guy's an older guy too i think he's he's probably in his mid 60s you know so he's not he's not old but he's you know he's he's getting up up there in years but he understands what it takes to groom the next generation to pick up the torch. You know, when you're in your mid sixties, man, it's, you're, you're not, you're not as able to go as hard as you used to, man. I I know there's some badass older folks out there. There really is. Um, and, and I know many of them, they, they, you know, they bring the heat, but, but on average, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of out of your fighting prime at that point, but you can't do it alone, man. You, you, you know, you, you got to build up these, these kids. Vacation Bible school is a good thing to get involved in. Um, obviously, the church is a good thing to get involved in in mm-hmm. any denomination. I mean, it doesn't matter, man. Any, any denomination, you're getting plugged into the local church. And because you know, churches are really important, man, because you know that people who go to church, Generally speaking, and I I ain't going to get into a denominational thing or like any of that because, you know, whatever. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But people who who are taking the time to go to church and be involved in it are most likely going to be 75 to 80 percent of your mindset. You know, y'all might disagree on a few things and that's fine, man. You don't need to get hung up on that. But. 75 to 85 percent that is 75 to 80 percent we'll say is is a victory like that that's a victory you've built somebody a group of people in your local infrastructure your local apparatus that are willing to help you you know and likewise and that's that's what it is but also you have that foundational value of of the bedrock of civilization 
That's why the left has tried to corrupt the churches, man. That that's that's the reason they went after them. They attacked them with blunt force. Then they tried to corrupt them from within. You know, some degrees it was successful. In other ways, it's not right. But that's the reason that they've done all that. So I mean, well, it, it's you got to get involved with it. Well, you know, that's what you were just saying. The the reason they're seventy five to eighty five percent like minded is because church is based on a, a moral and ethic heritage I mean, that that's right that's kind of the point that's kind of the point um and the uh cutting cutting ties this, to it yeah yeah this past year um uh, i was unfortunately <laughs> i was asked too late the uh the local church camp for our church and they they're they have a bunch of churches that use it they in years past i've i've taught uh rifle marksmanship there for the uh week teen week and uh Last this past year, they asked me if I could do a wilderness survival course, set up something uh, for for Teen Week, and and uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to do it because I wasn't able to schedule the time off. But uh, this next year, that's the plan is they're going to let me know well ahead of time so I can try to see if I can get it. But but to be able to go there, and not only am I am I going to be you know giving these kids the basic skills to survive no matter what you're you're teaching them a mindset that going back to what you were saying about the OODA loop mo, you know most people think OODA loops is something it's a type of cereal you know it's right. they, they have no clue and the yeah. uh to be able to to be able to tell tell a kid a teenager a young teenager hey this is the thought process every you will go through when you do anything and and this is why you will react a certain way especially if you have not trained to respond differently um and, and you okay. know whether it's a wilderness survival situation or a gunfight or whatever and back to that kid he went to the sound of the gunfire he did the same the same shit that the firefighters with they had their pictures taken going up the stairs in in the world trade center when everybody else was yeah. going down, that it's the same same damn mindset. It's just about scale, and and in a lot of ways you can't teach that. But but if you start with them young enough, and and you teach them that look, you you have a responsibility, you have a duty, especially if you're a man. You know, every human being has a duty. But but if you're a man, you know that we have a responsibility to protect the people around us and it's about priorities, you know, yeah. your, your family first and, but, and, and friends and everything, but you, you have a responsibility and we, and that's what we've gotten away from. Well, fortunately, you know, we've got, got kids like this boy, he's, he's not a kid, he's 22. So he's an adult, but he, he, uh, he sounds like he understands that Rittenhouse understood that he was there trying to help people. He's carrying a damn you know, fully functional first aid kit to be able to help get render aid to people, even the people that, that were, that hated him. So those, those two guys, the example of those two guys, it does give me hope, but we, we can't rest on the laurels of that. We have, we have to be aggressive about it and say, you know what, we got to take this shit back. We, we've got to, we've got to make what we do and what we believe the norm again that's the problem it used to be the norm 
and he right. got away from it because these communist fuckheads, you know, got inside our education system, infiltrated our churches, all these different things, and and like typical conservatives, we fucking let them. Because yep. because most conservatives are are weak minded. In, in that regard, they don't want controversy. They don't want a confrontation. That is one of the reasons why, you know, generally most people that, that uh, go around armed, they're the politest people you're going to meet because they don't want to have a confrontation unless it gets to the point where they have no other choice because right. they understand how what kind of trouble they can get into um, mm-hmm. because they are carrying a weapon. But but that's we, – we've got to and, – and you got to start – like you were saying, you got like, like this pastor was going, you've got to start with, you know, with a small, a small amount, smart, start with that one kid that you, you just met, you know, and, yep. and you might see, see some, see some good in them and say, you know what? Um, I want to try and mentor him, um, if, if yep. possible. So no, I, I agree with you. Needs I, to happen. I have a couple guys at my Knights of Columbus council that, um, they are totally. I'm actually taking a couple of them. We're actually going up to see. Um, I think I was telling you, Scott. We're going up to see Kevin. We're going to the Pocono race this weekend. I'm taking yeah. them up there. But um, yeah, so the couple of them, you know, they love talking about this topic with me. But you can tell they kind of sometimes don't know what they're talking about. So I'm trying to aim to take them under my shoulder and be like, "Hey, you know what? What you're saying that's not." actually right like you should be thinking this way you should be doing this you should get this because they are 100 percent willing to get that and do all the stuff but they they don't know what they don't know right they you know i love it his enthusiasm will come up to me and be like well i found this on this website you think this is good and i'm like uh, well, no, I mean, I was like, if I, if it was me, I would buy this from here. It's comparable in price kind of thing. Or they'll be like, well, I heard about this. Should I do this? And I'm like, no, you should do that. But the idea is finding those people who are willing and actively mentoring them and teaching them the ways. I mean, you know, I, for me, the, the guy who got me into prepping was Rawls. Um, I was a dumb college student, and I found Rawls's book while I was walking around with Cos- in Costco with my mom. And so I- I've bought probably three dozen of his books of How to Survive the Underworld as We Know It, and I just hand them out to people who I think are going to read them. And I was like, hey, man, I think you might enjoy this book, and I hand them out. And so, you know, it's not a huge cost. They're like seven bucks, I think, on Amazon. But to me, that's my way of saying, you know what? I'm going to hand you a really good basic guide. You could just say the same uh, same thing about Dolio's books, uh, Joe Dolio's books, uh, TW series. He's going to be releasing the fourth one soon. Same thing. Grab one of those, and if you think there's someone who might be interested, you know what? All right, so he doesn't end up reading it. It sits in his bookshelf, and I'm out 10 bucks. But maybe he reads it, and maybe he goes, hey, you know what? I should be thinking this way, and then maybe he finds a friend who's like, hey, I think you'd like this book, and it starts getting passed around. And I was just texting Scout today. I'm going to start a series on AP about basically what my survival library is and and starting with the most important things that I think people should have and working backwards. And to me, I think the most important book I could put in someone's hands, it's one of two. And one is cost-effective and one is not. And the author himself admits that it's not, but it's just as important. 
you have James Wesley Rawls, How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It, and we have uh, Jack Lawson's Civil Defense Manual. I think both should be completely on everyone's bookshelf because those two books, the one, if, if you're if you're a starter prepper, get James, get the Rawls book. If you already know what you're doing, get Civil Defense because it's going to tell you shit you don't know about. And so, like I said, if I were you, I'd buy maybe a half dozen copies of the books. It'll cost you 50 bucks. And if you think someone's interested, you meet someone in your church, you meet someone at, you know, there's some volunteer function you're at, and you think they might be interested, hey, you know what? I think you might enjoy this book. And give it to them. And right now, you're planting the seed. They might not read it, but they're going to read the title and go, oh, that's interesting. Set it aside. They might be sitting there. Might They put it on their toilet or whatever. And be like, you know what? Maybe I should... You know, start to read this book a little bit, and they'll read the first couple pages, and they're going to be hooked. So that's an easy way for people, and a very cost-effective way for people to plant the seed in the minds of younger people, is just buying them a cheap book and saying, "Hey, you know what? Here, take it." Yeah, man, that's a good piece of advice. Um, all right, so hour fifteen, let's shift gears a little bit um, to a more humorous topic. Uh, it has been disclosed first, uh, self-disclosed by <laughs> the current occupant of the White House himself, that he had cancer, uh, which was later uh, corrected by him uh, just one day later to say that he now has COVID. Uh, so, he, he has COVID, and uh, to what extent he has COVID, symptomatic, asymptomatic, who knows, who cares. Um, but we do know that he has had, what, three vaccines now? Vaccine yep, four. boosters? Four. Oh, vaccine and three boosters. Two, oh, shit. Boosters. Okay. Yeah, I saw some conflicting stuff right before uh, we came on the air, so I was, I was checking that a little bit. Um. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, over, under, on, are they going to whack him? Is this how they're whacking him? Is this how the powers that be, <laughs> whether you want to call that the Democrat machine or the, the Bilderbergers or the Rothschilds or whatever else out there, uh, what? <laughs> Get out of here, Alex. Get out of here, Bear. <laughs> um, what? Uh, but but whatever it is that you want to call it, like you know what the D. I just call it the DC Politburo because that that is what it is. Okay. I, I World Economic Forum, Klaus, all stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but DC has a very well invested Politburo. Uh, mm -hmm. It maintains its status, and they've done so for a very, very long time now. Uh, now they answer to their masters, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, and all that. Uh, very clear-cut case that goes back a long ways on all those those topics. But we're not talking about that. What we are going to talk about is over under on all of these things that have come out. Right, the the corruption here is in. Absolutely insurmountable. Um, <laughs> you know, Hunter Biden is just a sinking ship. They can't keep staff in the White House. 
uh, people are fleeing. The rats are scurrying, right? They're going all over everywhere. And Kamala's in a lot of trouble too, but we'll talk about her later. We're going to see how this goes. But Sebastian Gorka, that's right, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who uh, he, eh, you know, he's kind of hit or miss with me, whatever. Um, but anyway, he he uh, he put out a tweet earlier today that said that Biden is not going to make it to the midterms. He said specifically, especially after the information that he has just been given. Now, who knows if he got the information from Jeff Prather, then, you know, like some of the other alternative <laughs> people out there. And it probably came from QAnon. Um, I was going to say Q. Bullshit. <laughs> With his bullshit, uh, but but Sebastian Gorka is usually a little bit better um, than than some of the other folks out there. So I don't know. He's he's a little bit more connected with DC insiders and and whatnot. Some of the other folks in the alternative media who rely on people who are uh, who are busy flagging others on Patreon to get them removed because they tell the truth about them. Uh, but anyway. Uh, with that said, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, whatever you, you want the bull, you're going to get the horns, um, you know, whatever, man. But, uh, I live rent free in that dude's head. Apparently he ain't the only one neither. But with that said, yeah. uh, what, what's the over under that, that they're getting rid of Biden, that, that he's, he is so politically toxic right now to the Democrat machine. They just want to get him gone. Is COVID, is this bout of COVID going to be the thing, the excuse that they use to get him out of the way? I'd like to take this first just because you and I were texting before, and I'm going to be short with this. Um, that was my initial suspicion, and then I texted you earlier. I think I was probably the one who told you he had COVID, and we were laughing about it in, in, in our chat. Um, I, I think if I had to put the probability on it, I'd say – I think it's 50-50. I really think that they're realizing that, you know, it just came out that federal prosecutors are really thinking about charging Hunter Biden. Well, how that goes because Democrats walk free. So whatever. But that news came out. Just it's obvious his decline, his inability. I mean, his, his Saudi trip was an absolute disaster. The way he's handled Ukraine, disaster. And I, I think... Personally, the Dems have given up on 2022. I mean, I think they're, they're not going to say that and they're going to try to fight it, but I think they've given up. They know they're going to lose that. They're looking to 2024. And my theory has always been that Biden would be replaced after the midterms by the 25th. They're going to say, you know, he's not fit for office. We're going to remove him. Or he would remove himself saying, I can no longer do the duties. I, this could be a way. I mean, how easy is it for to say, look, he's 79 years old. He got COVID. All of a sudden... Well, shit, there's complications. You know what? Oh, my God, he died. I mean, everyone would believe that storyline because he's old as shit and everyone can tell that he's not in his right mind. So I think it's the perfect cover. It, I would be more surprised if he came out of COVID than if he died with COVID. Um, and again, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, I'm going to put my, all my chips in and say he's going to die with COVID. I'm not. But... I mean, it's the perfect cover story because all of a sudden something happens cardiac wise and 
hey, he's gone and it was COVID, complications, blah, blah, blah. Kamala comes in and I believe the process is she could appoint a vice president. And if she does it, then Pelosi steps up. Like, the, 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 the slate is set there. So I think it's a 50-50 on it. The, uh, two to one, yeah. Does, two it, to does, one anybody, does anybody know why Gavin Newsom was at the White House the other day when uh, Biden was in Israel? Great point. Ooh. And the, the thing Ooh. I, the thing I, the reason I would say I think it's less less than fifty percent that they'd use COVID is he just said on the said on a, in a briefing today he's had the two shots and two boosters and if he dies. It, it it just it completely blows their narrative out of the water. Good point. Good point. That them having any any validity to to getting any of it. Um, and because the thing they pushed it the hardest with the older folks. Um, I mean, at least initially, that was the, that was the big. That's always been the big pushes with older older people, because that was the easy ones for them to push it with. Um, but. I think that uh, I think he is going to be removed one way or the other, and I think for whatever reason, I think Nancy Pelosi's nephew Gavin Newsom is somewhere. He he figures in there somewhere. Um, but I, all I know is that I think he I think, he, I think he's angling for I think he's angling for a twenty twenty four challenge where Biden steps down for health reasons. That's what I'm thinking. It could be, or I mean, or maybe he thinks Harris will appoint him VP. True. I mean, I, I don't. I don't and, know. Oh. But Newsom. So somebody was pointing this out in the comments, and it's it. It occurred to me also. Newsom is claiming that he has Guillain Bear syndrome. Um, claiming, and and he might. I I don't know. I mean, why why would politicians lie about their health? Well, who knows? Um, <laughs> see, humans. I am also like you. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever his internal thing is, you know, in, in his private life, who knows? Um, but I don't know, man, the, the, the California political machine, obviously Democrats ain't going nowhere there. Uh, Garcetti could, could step right up into that role as the California governor and, you know they they have they have another Garcetti coming right behind him. Um, you know I I forget the guy's name, but the uh, the California um, uh, the L.A. County D.A. Uh, I forget the guy's name. They that's that's another Garcetti. I mean it's a yeah you know, the Democrats out there the their machine is is rinse and repeat. Um, so they they've got another Newsom to replace. Uh, <laughs> Here, you know, it Newsom scary. If they need to. Newsom becomes VP, Harris ends up getting getting you know ousted, and and Newsom becomes president like Ford did, and he appoints yeah. his aunt Nancy Pelosi as VP. <laughs> I mean, dude, stranger things have happened, man. Um, well, I mean, if anybody that knows the the situation with Nixon and Spiro Agnew and Ford, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's a lot of people don't. Uh, you mentioned Spear Agnew. They say, isn't he an actor? No. <laughs> yeah, he did in prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's, 
I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's just that Newsom Newsom has that look. Like he he has he is very well rehearsed on stage. He's well spoken. I you know don't confuse my my pointing out of facts as liking this guy. I despise him. Um, but I'm just pointing out facts. Like like if yeah. if you are looking for a politician on the national stage. And California might as well be, you know, the national stage, as is New York, you know, w- which was very interesting about Mario Cuomo. Um, but <sighs> Gavin Gavin Newsom would be the guy. Like he he would be the guy that you would want. Like he's he's decent looking, he's well spoken, he knows how to work a crowd pretty well. He, you know, doesn't, it doesn't look like he sticks his foot in his mouth too bad on a, on a regular occasion. Like he kind of, I don't know, man, he, he has, he has an approach that I think that would win back a lot of the Democrat voters who are currently alienated. And he would also, it seems like to me that he would win over a lot of the Bernie bros. So, you know, Bernie Sanders ain't got another, he, he ain't got another run in him. It's not happening. Um, yeah. You know, he's he he may not even make it um, as a senator, really another term, you know. So who like like that ultra extreme left wing a Democrat party, who do they have to appeal to that base? Like who who do they even have? Newsom knows all those talking points. I mean, that's the machine that he came from. Um, and BB Tour is saying, check out the, the Newsom ads that are running in Florida. Hey man, why why is this dude doing that? Why is why is he running ads in Florida when I mean there are some reasons. I talked about that with uh Chris Weatherman on uh the last podcast I did with him, the last uh episode that was up. But um it, it is an interesting point, man. It, it's there's there's a lot of anomalies there. Again, don't confuse that for me liking the guy. Don't don't confuse me pointing out facts for praise. I hate that dude's guts. I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, I think he's a scumbag. I think every every one of those Democrats that are running are fucking scumbags. They sold out our country to Chinese Communist Party, so fuck them. Um, a lot of Republicans have too, though. So you know, Mitch McConnell's of the world, Tom Tillis, yeah, Tom Tillis here in North Carolina. Yeah, we'll we'll see if you get reelected. We're, but that that's something for a later date. We'll be talking hey, about. I something will, tell you uh, right about now. I will be donating to any North Carolina politician that is standing up against Tom Tillis. He's not up for re-election right now, but when he is in the primaries, I will not only be donating to your campaign, I will be out there. I'll be making stops for you. I'll stump for you. I will in, invite you on this podcast. You'll be on here. And hey, you know th- this this thing is this stage is getting bigger and bigger by the day. We got power, so you know Tom Tillis. All politics are local, buddy. We're coming for you. Anyway, hey, something about Newsom that uh, I, I wouldn't say this across all all areas, but I believe he has an appeal to certain types, just like Bill Clinton did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yep. The uh, yep, and that that's. That's scary when you know having seen. <laughs> you mean like women type of people? What's that? Women. What, uh, didn't Clinton test well with women? Yeah, 
That's that's what Bill I'm saying. Well, right. You just put on that blue dress of that girl, and I, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, man. That oh, it's just, that's just artichoke dip, baby. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to play the sight firing over here. I'm real good with my fingers. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, um, no, no, no. That, that's a good point. I mean, you know, they always talk about the, the suburban – uh, housewives or whatever, and which is a a rapidly shrinking uh, population, by the way. But um, you know, yeah, you, you you definitely got a point. I mean, people see that they're, they're not really listening to what he has to say because most people aren't. You know, I, I don't want to come off as crass, but most people aren't educated enough to know that this guy is spouting off Marxist talking points. Like that was the same thing with Obama. Nobody, you know, you called Obama Marxist all of a sudden. Oh, you're a racist, and you're all this stuff. It's like no, Obama is 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 telling us literally all the Marxist talking points that has come out of the Chicago machine. But nobody was nobody was willing to listen to that. They didn't care. You know, not that it mattered uh, in in the long run, but I mean, it did matter. But in, in big scheme of things, but, but at the street level, it, what can you do? You know, all you can do is what you do, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think Newsom talking long-term strategy. I think Newsom is, is their really only move, man. The only move they got. Yeah. yeah I don't it, think, uh, they're going to, I don't think Biden dies from COVID. I think that he's definitely going to not be healthy enough to be president anymore. And then after that, it's a crapshoot. I put in the comments, I don't think that they're going to put in anybody that we know. Uh, I think way too many people are sick and tired of the same old song and dance nonsense that we see. They're going to like do the whole, you know, they might not even be the Democrats after this. They might change their name, you know. Rebranding. Rebranding. Yeah, it's like the Whigs turn into Republicans. Was, Obama wasn't known, really. Um, yeah, and he came he out of was, nowhere. He I was think small time. Yeah, I think they're going to pull uh, some inner city mayor um, that nobody really knows about. Like Baltimore, we've had like so many mayors in the past few years that I don't. Brandon Scott is our new one. Nobody really knows him on the national scale. It's going to be no, something like that. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy, but. I'd I'd say more likely it's going to be some larger city mayor from a blue hive, and they're going to prop him up and Beetlejuice yeah. from I mean, Chicago. God, no, that's a definitely <laughs> nah. She's and done. It, no, yeah, that's, like, that's, yeah, that would. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's my she, nightmare. She's she is uh, she is. She has successfully alienated everyone in Chicago, like everyone, her, her voter base, like everybody. She, she managed to piss off everybody is almost it. I mean, it's, it's worse than, uh, uh, Wilhelm Kaiser Wilhelm in New York city. Um, it, it was, it, it's worse than him. He, she is worse than him. Um, so, you know, that that's, uh, 
and I, I don't know. They being being worse than that dickhead is is really an accomplishment. But she figured it out, man. She figured it out. She's just she's a genuinely unlikable person uh, in every single way. Like there, there's not one single redeeming quality. Um, but I don't know, man. Go, going back to uh, as far as Democrats rebranding. I don't know, man. I don't see that. They well, they kind of did. They they took away the donkey. Like the donkey represented the working class, right? That because that, that was what it used to be, and now it's just a D. Like like <laughs> like okay, it, it's a so D. They went from jackass to dumbass. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. D. It's a D tricolor, and the tricolor yeah. has a history in the French Revolution and, and right. a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and and they went from being called Democrats to the Democratic Party. If you'll notice, there was a language change there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, that was a soft it, it, reboot, it, though. Um, I think Matt, I was. think I think Madman saying probably hard reboot, maybe. But may, you know, I'll I can play devil's advocate and and say you know maybe it'll just be a soft reboot. Uh, I think I I don't know if they'll. Uh, I don't know if they'll take him off the plane, off the chessboard, though. But Biden is—he's old, and and the White House is like the gas prices alone are killing people. Yeah, and he yeah. like, you know, putting Ukraine aside, or or you know, COVID, or or any of the other, or the just the economy in general. Um, it you know that the gas prices is like really hurting people, and yeah. uh. It, yeah, you It'll know, be that alone, maybe they, they would, maybe they'd take him out for that. But Newsom, you know, he's got a drought coming up. So is he going to jump ship right before the drought? That's uh, always, always a possibility. My, um, and, and see, that actually is a damn good point, too, because it, it's going to be getting into wildfire season soon. And he knows if he's going to be politically viable he can't have a crisis on his hands and you know, you dump that in the lap of Garcetti or, or whoever the hell takes his place. Um, you, you can get away with that. Be like, here you go, Garcetti. You got four years to, to worry about it or, or whatever, or like the remainder of the, my term or whatever to, to worry about it. And then whatever, right. Pawn it off on somebody else or, or whatever. Right. But if, if he has a crisis on his hands, if, if like, the image of of burn up California bear cubs, you know, get getting uh, rescued by wildfire uh, workers, which is going to happen, right? Wildland firefighters, they, all this is going to happen, man. And um, dude, he he's he's going to tank at the polls. That's going to be it. Um, that, that's just the way that it goes, man. It's it's kind of a hard and fast rule of of politics at the top is that you, you don't want to be seeking a larger office when you have a crisis in your backyard, you know, like it just doesn't, it just ain't going to work. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it is going to be interesting to watch. Um, again, you know, over under, I don't think, um, you know, for the record, Gorka, you know, he, he, he can be hit or miss. He's hit or miss with me. Not that my my opinion really matters. I don't listen to the guy that much. There was a time where I really liked him, um, but you know he he kind of 
he kind of lost me there for a little while for some things that he was saying and doing. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, but anyway, I don't know. It's, it's worth bearing. He is well connected with, with, uh, DC insiders. And he is saying that I think that the, the timing of this COVID coming out, um, is very, very interesting. Uh, because Biden, Biden just, I mean, like seriously, <laughs> HP 11, <laughs> you don't like relief factor. Uh, no, I, I, I have never even tried it. Full disclosure. I have never even d- tried it and they probably won't be paying me anytime <laughs> soon. So who cares? Uh, but <laughs> it's ibuprofen and whiskey for this guy. Uh, that is my candy. That's right. Ranger candy and, and, and this very fine space out scotch, which is quite delicious. Uh, but I think uh, get get back on track though. Um, the he he just came off of a completely disastrous trip to Saudi Arabia, which was predicated by a complete disaster of a trip to Israel. He has absolutely no idea what to do about BRICS. He they haven't even addressed it, um, and, and this is gaining steam by the day. And I think that it's really interesting when you have uh, Saudi Arabia willing to work with Iran on something like, holy shit, how bad did you just screw the pooch here where you got two nations that are built on a thousand year old blood feud? Isaac and and Ishmael. Yes. You know, that would, you know, they, well, they're, they're specifically their blood feud goes back eh, a little bit more than a thousand years, but you got them to work together. They're both looking at joining bricks. They hate one another. They want to annihilate the other off the face of the earth, but they're more willing to work with one another than to work with you. What an achievement. What an achievement. And then you piss off the Israelis. Right in the middle of it. I, you, <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, that's it, actually what I was talking about was this, this, the fact that Saudi's giving the Israelis use of their airspace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, there you go. There's another. So you've got three sworn enemies in the Middle East that have all that, that, that is like Nobel Prize worthy right there. Yeah. You, brought them together because they each agreed that you're such a turd that they said, you know what? You're not as bad as our enemy over here. (laughs) You know, that's boy, that's something. Uh, that's something. Uh, green eye Phoenix in the comments. Uh, Kamala will finish us off. Yeah, probably. Uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I don't think if she makes her way into the white house, She ain't going to be there very long. I think it's already been told to her that she was eye candy. She was, uh, she, she was there to fill a particular role and that's it. Like, you you know, you don't do anything else and you're not going to step outside of any bounds. Like the, the handlers are, have been telling her that the pilot borough has been telling her that. That, that you're you're not going to do more than what you're doing um and um you know th- that has been 
pretty much that. Yeah, Mountain Gorilla says she checked a box. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Uh, so with 20 minutes left on the clock, I want to shift gears. I mean, we, we, we've been talking about that. We can certainly talk about that probably for the rest of the episode. But I want to cover something else, which was the, the tagline for this episode, Chinese Tanks and Banks Edition. Uh, of this episode because there was a video that, was, that came out last night. I put it up on American Partisan early this morning of uh, Chinese Communist Party, uh, People's Liberation Army tanks that were moving in to protect the Chinese banks from the runs. And I mean, everybody in China doesn't want to repeat Tiananmen Square. You know, they know that those those tankers are going to run over some crunchies. Um, and that's a that's an infantry term, by the way, or a mech <laughs> term or uh, that, that's what tankers. My, my late father in law would would tell me because uh, he was a tanker in Desert Storm. He's a retired army uh, tank commander. And uh, he used to call me crunchy all the time. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I wasn't familiar with the mech world. He called me crunchy all the time. And then I figured out why. And I was like, ah, okay. Um, but, you know, they, they'll run over some civilians. They don't care. I mean, we you know, we know this about their culture. Human life don't have a lot of value. But anyway, uh, with that said, they're moving in to protect their banks. We know that there's been stories that's been coming out now. Evergrande was really the the first big crack in the dam. And now we are seeing the uh, further deterioration of the Chinese economic system. Uh, they have, by the way, I, I want to point this out. They have $6.1 billion, billion with a B, dollar investments in real estate here in the united states so we we have a a certain amount of iron in the fire here or at least they do and if they go down this is kind of like like the black hole you know the the economic singularity that that we're approaching this is one bad sector that's going to fall out it's absolutely going to have a big ripple effect here in the united states now i've been posting up videos economic ninja um, who I've had on the podcast in the past. He's a great guy uh, out in California, and, and you know he, he knows his stuff when it comes to economics. Um, and he's, he's saying, you know, kind of giving ideas of, of how to get prepared for this, kind of, you know, how, how to, how to uh, beat the storm before it gets here. But um, I think that this is really significant to understand that, that if they're using armed forces – to protect runs and protect from runs on their banks. How long is that going to be before it comes here? And what's that going to look like? Uh, so real quick with 15 minutes left on the clock, I want to send this around to the round table and, you know, get you guys thoughts on, on the larger picture here. I, I, I wouldn't mind opening up, uh, on the tanks and banks, man. That's <clears throat> they, uh, during the, um, Matt, when Mao's uh, Red Guard went buck wild and was beating teachers to death in the streets and having their struggle sessions in the uh, late 60s. The Cultural um, Revolution. He, he had to deploy tanks to um, get them to stop and then and then order them back to school. And uh, he, he's actually, you know, the, the tanks are back on the streets now, you know, letting the... Uh, 
letting these sons and daughters of the you know the the kids that went through that time of period you uh they're older now obviously but uh it you know he's kind of showing the next generation like hey i know you were promised all this stuff but mal's obviously dead but the, the ccp is carrying on a tradition of deploying tanks against their their own <clears throat> Oh, yeah. They ain't worried about it. They definitely ain't losing sleep about it. Well, you know, one first thing I'd say about anything coming out of China, especially video, is I have a very hard time believing it's actual fact. Um, we it's had enough true. over the last over the last two years. That crap back in 2020 of them falling, fainting in the street and, and had everybody scared shitless of the whole thing, whole thing with COVID because they were showing these videos that were snuck out of China. And then months back, the, uh, the wailing of the people that were all locked in to their, their, because they were all locked down and all. And then you find out later on, Oh, well, that wasn't necessarily the case. They would lock the city down for military purposes, moving, moving equipment and stuff like that. It wasn't because of another big COVID outbreak. So, that's the first thing I would say about anything coming out of them. You know, they, they do the long game, especially when it comes to information. Um, and they, and they know how effective videos are. And I mean, remember the, what was it? The audio that was supposedly, uh, leaked from the meeting back in May about the generals getting ready for the invasion that had to be done before by November 1st but they didn't say where the invasion was, but they had to get 900 civilian ships ready to augment the 365 military ships they had. I mean, I, I, like I said, I've, I have a hard time believing that stuff, but, uh, if they are doing it, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big step. Uh, and obviously if it's happening there, it's going to translate here relatively quickly, I believe. Um, yeah, you know, what's interesting. China owns 5% of the land in Ukraine. I learned that the other day. That is interesting. Our question is how much of the percentage of the U S land do they own now? So what was it? How many uh, Russia and the dollars last year? Yeah. And they've got like 50 million on hold to buy more. Um, you, you know, uh, Russian and China have a history of kind of like like an arm wrestling match over who's like going to be the real like sit on the throne of the international communist utopia and uh it they, they they've done a lot of gut checks in history and they've even actually started shooting at each other too which uh Mao's red guard would actually shoot at other red guard and beat get street fights with them like the sharks and the jets um back during their little little cultural cultural revolution but um so i wonder if china was like yeah russia you're so tough you you know you're the one that lost ukraine and we bought into it and we thought you had it covered and uh and we invested in your investment and you know you got to go go get your fucking money back like you know we're busy you know like you know it makes you wonder if that was a conversation that might have been had behind some closed doors because 
we we make things complicated but really when these leaders sit down it's it's pretty simple it's you know it's it's not that it's not rocket science no nah. madman we'll say you oh tanks and banks yeah tanks and banks. Uh, yeah it is interesting that they decided to use tanks i guess that's like definitely instilling fear in some of the older gents in china um which probably means they're not screwing around because i feel like that's something you kind of hold in reserve to use when you really until you absolutely scare need the yeah. shit out of somebody yeah um yeah. and if they've got china, you know, like one if, if they want they've to, got they 1.4 send, like, million, million guys people. yeah if they wanted to, they could just send a bunch of jackboots around, beat the shit out of a bunch of people. Um, the fact that they parked a tank outside of a bank um, definitely is sending a message. <laughs> so, real zero to sixty probably kind of banks. <laughs> yeah, that escalated quickly. Uh, I'm interested to see what that, what their financial situation is going to do to the global markets because i know the eu is having a bunch of problems uh i mean we're obviously having a bunch of problems as well it's across the board i just i'm not an economics guy so i i wouldn't really be able to give one way or another but it's definitely interesting that they decided to use tanks of all things instead of just like an armored truck with a big gun on it yeah or a bunch of dudes yeah like i said they have you know they could send a thousand guys and just march around and just clobber anybody that's trying to get cash out of anything. Right. In the last couple of years, the Chinese have switched from like regional units that stay in like local to like shifting them around. So there's not any, uh, no rapport built up. No. Oh, I feel sympathetic. They don't don't have any connection to the community. It'd be like what uh... they've done is like, the California National Guard is made up of people from like you know New York or or Connecticut or something like it. They they switch everything around and uh, yep keeps uh, keeps people on their toes. I I bet the uh, their army recruiting uh, uh, video isn't about the girl with two moms. No. <laughs> no. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. No. No, no, it's it's an appeal to Chinese nationalism is what it is. Well, that's what a lot of them are. I got to give Ukraine credit. The two of the best recruiting videos I've ever seen was coming out of Ukraine, one of which is uh, one where they're interviewing the people who are, I guess, soldiers or reservists, and they're asking them what their professions were. And it's like, I'm a banker. I'm this, I'm that, whatever. Like, that was cool. The best one was they started talking about a shovel. And it showed all the different things a shovel would be used for. And at one point it says, and when we run out of ammunition, a shovel will fight with. And like, damn, it made me want to go over there and fucking fight for him. Like, it was one of the most inspiring. I, the only other one I can think of is the Marine Corps one where they're um, showing like the statue of battles one kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it was it was this was a really well done recruitment video. And they have that. And we have 
well, I'm a transgender and I had two moms, and you know, uh, uh, you know, I joined this because I want to fight. No, no, you didn't. Uh, Not at all. Nah. Anyways, doesn't get it, man. It, it's um, that's something that I talked about. So I've got a podcast that's going to be coming uh, coming out with uh, the good men of the Pinelander. And so a big shout out to them over at uh, the Pinelander podcast. You can find it here on Podbean. Uh, I follow it. So if uh, you look at the podcast that I currently follow, um, you will see a link to that. That is Mike Blackburn and Paul LaFavor. And if you look up Paul LaFavor, you're going to see this is yeah. probably one of the most important guys Um you know, blacksmith publishing, but, but Paul of favor is probably one of the most important guys. I think, uh, thinkers in, in the background of the special operations community right now today. Um, he wrote the, the small unit tactics handbook for, uh, the, the SF qualification course. Uh, so, you know, and, and I put links up to that on American partisan. Anyway, I was back on their podcast. It was the second episode that I've done. I'm going to have them back on here in the near future. I was talking to them while I was on the highway, um, coming back. And that was one of the things that we talked about was why, why is it that army recruiting numbers, army, I can speak to the army. I can't speak to the other branches necessarily, but I can speak to the army. Um, because I still got a lot of friends that, that are in the, the army hierarchy and in many different parts of the army, uh, over on special operations side, um, got, got some guys over in JSOC, uh, that I talk to periodically, uh, that, that I'm very close friends with, um, got one friend that's, that's, uh, over at the Pentagon, but, um, what, what I will say is this, the army, the army right now is having a severe crisis with recruiting numbers. Like it's, it's not nineties level of recruiting is just down. It's that people are blatant. Like, nah, I'm not joining. Um, and we, we talked about that. We talked about it on the, on the pilot. We talked about a lot of other really good stuff. Um, the whole Sally has two mommies and, and let's appeal to, um, you know, whoever, whatever. And, and let's, kick uh national pride to the curb let's kick service to country to duty to uh to to manhood to something higher than yourself let's kick all that to the curb and let's make this about some some bullshit uh social justice crap that people going into the military honestly they really don't give a fuck about i mean i'll, I'll just be blunt about that they really don't give a fuck about that stuff um, everybody that goes in the military and it don't matter if you're, you know, a, a hard charging 11 Bravo going in, you know, or, or you're, uh, a cook or, uh, you know, whatever else, right. What, whatever else it is that you're doing, everybody that goes in the army, everybody is going in the army to get that warrior pride, to go break shit and and you know shoot people in the face and that's what they have when they come the used to be at least when they got out of basic training not so much anymore you know not so much anymore and you know it shows it shows big time um so rounding out we were talking about the chinese communist party uh protecting their banks they've, they've got an economic implosion i do think that they're gonna survive it but we have got a tidal wave coming in on our shores that 
uh, I don't know how we're going to fare coming out of it because we're, we're, we don't produce anything anymore. Um, so we, we're in some rough times, right? We got some rough times ahead. Um, but anyhow, uh, with that said, just a couple minutes left, uh, guys, what, what, uh, are the final words, final things you want to put out before we punch out? I'll jump in here real quick. By the way, while we were talking, my computer turned off and my lights didn't. They're plugging the same outlet. Totally thought I was getting raided for a half second. That's why I muted. I was like, uh, <laughs> fuck, they cut comms. Um, <clears throat> turned out it's just the second surge protector didn't work. Uh, what I would say is, honestly, from what I'm reading, by mid-August, I'm talking August 15th to 21st, take an evaluation of what you have and don't have and get it now there are some people talking about it in the texas agricultural field where beef will become unaffordable this i'm single this out in particular it's going to become unaffordable for most people so i seriously mid-august i think the price hikes are going to come september to october get what you need now square it away i don't care if you have to put it on the charge card you'll pay it off later i promise you you will pay less in credit card fees than you would if you bought it later. And that's all I'll say. Sound advice? I've got uh, courses coming up August, September, October, November, once each month. Go to MasonDixon.com, uh, MasonDixonTactical.com, and uh, the schedule is at the very bottom of the page. If anybody's interested, just e- email me, MasonDixonTactical at gmail.com. And, it, I mean, that's what he just said. Even if you got to put it on your charge card, make sure you got the means to be able to feed your family and protect them. Amen. What else? Stay strapped or get clapped. Yeah! Hey, fucking man of that, brother. <laughs> I don't want to get ah. the clap, so don't don't get the clap. Don't get, don't the, get clap. the clap. <laughs> nah. Speaking of the clap, make sure you stock up on antibiotics and medical equipment and food. Fucking a right. Yep. Good idea. And spices. Yeah. Yes. Spices. Yes. Because you're going to be really bored about plain food about like four weeks into the boo. Yes. Yep. Spices. There's been um, time periods in history when uh, people have uh, uh, ships have pulled into ports of like city states that have died or had an economic collapse. And the captain of the ship basically owns the city after he sells all the spices. It's uh, yeah, fuck. it's happened before, and it you know you could be the king of the spices. That's that's one of my plans. Whip it out, flip it on the table, baby. Let's go. <laughs> with that said the fastest two hours in podcasting right here holy crap feels like we just got on the air god bless all of you and we'll be talking to you again next week this is nc scout out <laughs>